Hello everybody, you're listening to the Fashion Photography Podcast, the one and only place you can find everything you want and everything you need to know about the fashion photography business. Since you're listening to this podcast, you already know that it's Wednesday because I'm here with a guest. And if you're not listening to this episode on Wednesday, well then you're late. But no worries, there are no taxes for this because you can find all of our previous episodes on our friends' websites, which are judefashionmagazine.com and neverlamac.com. Don't forget that you can also submit your work to those two gorgeous magazines. But let's get back to the episode today. As you know, like every Wednesday, I'm here with a guest and today my guest is a retoucher. So we'll be talking about building your portfolio as a retoucher and when you should say no to a client, which are the hardest thing to retouch and there are some tips and tricks how to handle them. Communicating with clients and also something very important, delivery formats. You can listen to the podcast and get the information you need because there is plenty of it. So let's go straight to the podcast. My name is Javi Justicia from Invisible Touch and I've been retouching for about 10 years now. I am the owner of the Invisible Touch and uh, I focus normally on beauty, advertising, editorial and fashion. When was the moment you decided to become a retoucher? Well, it's a really interesting question because I became a retoucher a little bit by chance. I used to live in Scotland for 10 years mm -hmm. and my partner used to be a photographer that he had a hairdressing company. Mm -hmm. So they were doing competitions and they were doing their own photo shoots and stuff like that. So he was doing some minor retouching, but really, really basic, like nothing like dodge and burn or touching the skin. It was just mainly curves and things like that. So I thought... It looked really interesting, so I started playing with Photoshop, and uh, my partner saw that I was getting better at it very, very quickly. So I decided to dig in some kind of YouTube tutorials and find out a wee bit more about the retouching industry. And then from there, it took me about four years of working in the hairdressing salons, and then when I was finishing, going home and then practicing for four years, and then I decided to make a jump, and then it worked. And have you ever been tempted to do something else connected to this business, like being a photographer or even? being a model <laughs> not really because being a model is first of all you need to have the face in the body i don't have that <laughs> I'm, I'm not really tall and i'm not really handsome put it that way i'm not ugly but <laughs> <laughs> and then photographer i never had that inclination of i love taking pictures when i go on holidays that's all i do with mm -hmm. a camera I own a camera, but I never had uh, that desire of going to a studio. It's not me. I'd rather be in the back and doing my retouching. That's what I enjoy the most. I love bringing the best out of an image, but not taking pictures. That's not me. Mm -hmm. So is the life of a retoucher located in a room or just the opposite? As you said, yes, it is. It's like my life. I work from home, which I'm very lucky. I actually thought in the past about creating your own studios, bringing more people in, blah, blah. But I actually do freelancing all the time and I work from home from my own room. I've got a room in the house, which is all set up like if it was in a studio. Mm -hmm. And the only downside from that is that you don't leave the house really in the whole day unless you force yourself. But that's the only downside. But I really enjoy it. <laughs> and have you ever worked for another studio? No, never. I started working just for me and then from there, like as I said, 10 years ago, and I've never had the inclination of working for somebody else, mainly because I don't think you make the same money. What's the most difficult thing about the retoucher? For somebody that's starting out or for somebody that's already established? Tell me about both. Right. For somebody that's starting out, I think what I seem to be getting all the time from people that I follow in Facebook or people that follow me is the lack of patience. We think that we can become a retoucher in a year. And as I said, 
from the start. It took me four. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've been retouching for 10 years and every day I'm learning something new, whether it's from something that happens to a client, from a new request from a client, from new techniques that you see online. It's like there is always room for improvement. So my advice, for example, to people that are starting out is just to be patient and learn your craft, but very well. Don't try to rush it. For professionals, I think the hardest part is as a freelance, in my case, is you don't have an agenda of your clients telling you, listen, for the next six months, this is what you're going to have. Mm-hmm. You go a, a loyal clientele and you know, okay, every month you're going to have work, but you're always expecting an email. You can plan ahead. There is always surprises. It's like, listen, Javi, we weren't expecting this job, but you got to do it in two days. So there is always nasty surprises, put it that way. You need to spend extra hours working when you didn't expect, but some other times you have to wait as well for work. When I'm saying wait, it's like you could spend sometimes a week without nothing to do. Mm-hmm. But then you spend another three that you hardly sleep. But that's part of the job. For me, it's something that I know how it works and, and I enjoy it because at the end of the day, it's what gives you money at the end of the, the month and, and that's fine. Yeah, I think that's a very hard part for every freelancer. Yes, because as I said, it's like I don't have any control of what the client is going to mm-hmm. send me this month or next month. I can plan ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, that way. So you're expecting, or you're not, not expecting, you're subjected to clients. Yeah. So I think in other jobs, for example, if you're working, I don't know, imagine as an accountant, you know every day what you're going to do. <laughs> But like you said, as long as you're enjoying the process of working, that's the most important thing, bringing you joy in the end. Yeah, I think that's crucial. If you go into any profession, any job, And if you enjoy it, that you're making a mistake, I think you should always work on something that you love. And I know it's very difficult and it's a bit of a cliche, but I think retouchers or photographers, we're very lucky on that aspect because we're supposed to enjoy what we do. Mm-hmm. So we're lucky. Yeah. Have you ever rejected a client? Yes, quite a few times. Really? What was the reason? The reason I think, I was going to say the better you get. I don't consider myself a huge retoucher. I think I'm a good retoucher, but I do aspire, as I said from the beginning, I do aspire to be even better. I mean, there is retouchers out there that are outstanding. The reason I rejected the client is because the more popular you get sometimes in groups like social media, like Facebook and stuff like that, you get more requests of doing jobs. And I think what sometimes people think, there are some photographers that are like amateur photographers they think that retouchers we can turn something bad into something that's going to be printed in a vogue magazine and that's what people don't realize we have a limitation i can turn something good into something better or really good but something that is not good from the start is never going to happen it's never going to be incredible so that's the reason i sometimes reject jobs because they send you things that you know from the start that is never going to happen and you know that the client is not going to be happy and at the same time i've got a policy as well that i don't retouch children to really high degree i mean some people want beauty retouching and everything mm-hmm. and as a policy i don't retouch children when i do retouch children it's just basically minor retouching Oh, that's very interesting. Is there another rule that you're really strict with? Not really. Apart from that, I'm very flexible when it comes to clients. I'm adapting to their needs and, and I'm always happy to work extra hours and blah, blah. But as I know, that's the only thing. It's like some people, they have the expectations. They're never going to meet the results I'm going to produce. So I'd rather say no from the start. Because mm-hmm. I've been there, I've tried to do that before, and then you end up having, not arguments, but you can sense there is an unhappiness there. And my goal is to make sure everybody that works with me is happy. 
Mm-hmm. It was very interesting, the thought you said that if it's not good in the beginning, it won't get any better in the end. And I loved it. And I think it's very, very true. Yeah, I think that the way I see photography, for example, you're a photographer yourself, is like mm-hmm. there has to be a preparation. Absolutely. There are some photographers that they just go to the studio and they just put a couple of bananas and a pineapple on somebody's hair and they're expecting that to turn into something that is going to be printed in Vogue. That's not going to happen. Retouching or photography in this case, you have to plan in advance. Thankfully, I've got experience because as I said from the start, I used to do photo shoots with my partner and I know what you have to do to plan ahead is like you need to prepare mood boards you need to prepare the styling get surrounded by a good team and there are some photographers that they're starting out that they just think turning up in the studio with a pretty face that's going to be something amazing Do you usually just receive the photos or you are actually on the shoot? Normally I would say 99% of the time I receive the images mm-hmm. I think I've worked in studios three times apart from the ones I work from my partner but I don't count them because they were like learning time. Mm-hmm. And did you enjoy the process there? Yes, but I'd rather work from home, to be honest, or from a studio, from if I had my own studio. I mean, there is nothing better than your own privacy. You can focus and time yourself and you don't have that pressure of the photographer or the team expecting the images or expecting a result. So I'd rather have my own privacy and time myself. So that way, if you make a mistake, you can fix it on the spot or make a mistake. I mean, imagine they ask you for a specific color. Color sometimes... Tricky. Yeah. So till you find exactly what the photographer or the client needs. So I'd rather play at home rather than have that pressure. But at the moment, if a client would ask me, it's like, listen, Javi, we need you in London for a photo shoot. It will be a yes. I would never say no to my clients Yeah. because I know they need me and they know me already. They know how I work. So I wouldn't have a problem. I wouldn't have that pressure. What are your favorite clients? Favorite clients, the ones that come back all the time, every <laughs> day uh, with new work and they keep me happy and they keep me busy. But that aside, I like clients that they're flexible and they're open to your suggestions because I've got quite a few clients and, and some clients they don't let you intervene with color for example they just give you actually the TIFF they don't even send you the raw they send you listen have you here are the TIFFs they're color corrected already do your side of the job why because there is other artistic directors that they already planned that color and that mood board the mood of the image and the color palette so they don't let you play with that so it becomes a little bit boring but I've got a mixture of both I've got clients that they let me play and some clients they don't but I do enjoy what I do a lot. I love retouching skin. So with that, I'm happy, to be honest. Good. And how did you start it with your portfolio building at first? Because we all know that in order to start receiving anything for your work, you first have to build your portfolio, which might be a bit hard sometimes. Yeah. When I started, as I said, it was a long time ago. So we had a, a page, that I'm sure you know, a website called Model Mayhem, mm-hmm. which is where Natalia Tafarel and Patrick Naik and some others started there as well. And even now, you still got a lot of images that you can get from there to play and to have in your portfolio because there is so many photographers that they're very kind and they offer free images to people to play. So that's how I did it at the beginning. But what I realized very quickly is there were like a thousand people in the world with the same images on their portfolios. So I thought, it's not making me look different. I'm just having the same images, which is basically what's happening now. People in Facebook, social media, we all share the same images now. It's like, and it becomes quite boring. So mm-hmm. what I tend to suggest to the people that they're following my page or in the Facebook groups that I have, I tend to tell them to, to contact photographers and ask them to work. It's not for free, but it's like you get something in exchange, like to do TF, like you trade for a print or you trade for 
having that image in your portfolio. I think that's the best way. Mm-hmm. And there will be some photographers that will say no, some others that will say yes. But I think that for me, that's the best way. Try to find photographers that they let you play with their images. Yeah, that's great advice. What are the projects in your portfolio you are most proud of? There are a few because there is things in my portfolio that they, I use them because obviously the name of the companies. But I've done, for example, jobs that I don't have actually in my website or my portfolio that I feel very proud of. Mm, that's very odd. I do believe that you don't have to put everything in your website. Regarding, for example, portfolios, the, the way I see them is that you have to always display what it represents you as an artist or as a retoucher in this case. Not everything that I do in a daily basis is good enough for my portfolio. Doesn't mean that it's bad. I do, for example, a lot of lookbooks. Mm-hmm. Lookbooks for me is quite a, a standard in the photography commercial industry. So they sometimes could be quite boring and repetitive. Yeah. So I try not to put them unless there's something a bit unique. The same with personal work that I do for clients. Sometimes they do tests or sometimes they do things for model agencies or private projects. They're not relevant to me, although I love doing them. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of, for example, at the beginning, which is something that we sometimes get obsessed when you start retouching, is the celebrity work. Unless you touch Madonna or somebody huge, this is my personal opinion, but there's no point to have it in your website because it's not going to attract a lot of people unless it's retouched amazingly well. But I used to to get obsessed at the beginning with having celebrities. I remember the first time I retouched Elton John. Ooh. The image was quite, not crap, but it was okay. And the first thing I did is put on my website. And you can see there's not getting any response. It's like, are you thinking that's going to get you a lot of clients? And it doesn't. What gets you client is providing good service and good work, regardless if you got John Lennon or whoever retouching. No, not John Lennon in this case. But, but yeah, that's what I see retouching our portfolios at the moment. You only focus on what you think is going to provide you with more clients or what shows the best of your work. You mentioned your website. What's your website? My website is theinvisibletouch.co.uk. That's right. And guys, you can also check it out in the show notes. What's the hardest part to retouch from a person's body, in your opinion? For me, is two things. Hands and feet. Feet is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> horrible. Absolutely. I can deal with hands better than, than feet. Feet sometimes is horrible because there is fake tans, there is like wrinkles. Nobody looks after their feet normally, apart from really... Yeah. good models yeah they're normally covered in shoes but when they take them off it's just brutal and do you have any good advice for this patience again it's I like patience you're gonna say it <laughs> <laughs> patience is the key of retouching if you try to rush things and you end up cloning and cloning and cloning things you're gonna end up with a mash mm-hmm. so i will suggest people to take it very easy and i always say the same thing on the groups that i run on facebook less is more it's better stop before you take it too far send it to the client listen what do you think i find it challenging because of this because of that and you might get the answer that says listen they're fine like that because if you take it too far it's just going to look wrong it's very interesting that you just mentioned the communication with the, the client because that was exactly my next question so can you guide us through your process of communication with the client from the very first uh, message in your case with them normally my clients the way if it's a, a regular client they, they know me how i work uh, they send me normally they send me a request oh, listen harvey we've got x amount of images we already agreed on a price either from the beginning with a client listen we've got a flat rate for example so listen i work for fashion images x amount of money due to this and advertising this but there is other clients that they have open budget so what they ask me always is like listen this is the budget can you do it can you not and then from there we'll take it forward and once i see the images i'll give them a final price or i accept the budget and mm-hmm. from there is a matter of starting and what i do is if they ask for color what i tend to do first is i do a color batch so i give them about two or three options and then they pick whatever they like best and we carry on from there and then when he when i finish the images send them as a jpeg 
in an email or if they request I can send them via we transfer or Hightail programs like that and then if they're happy I'll send them the high resolution but normally they're not happy it, yeah because everybody's Clients. got an opinion not an opinion a different point of view and you're going to see something in a completely different way that I'm going to see it so I'm always expecting changes it's rarely you're going to get a client that's going to say yeah perfect it's very rare so you're always expecting what is called the amendments some retouchers I heard that they do three rounds for example that they're included on the price. For me, I don't have an amount. I only stop when the client is happy. If they say, well, it's unhappy, you have to change it six times because the client now it changes mine. I don't mind it. Mm -hmm. I'll change it. I only stop when the client is happy. And what if there is a new photographer who has never worked with a retoucher and they want to approach you? What would you like them to tell you? What sort of files would you like to see? Do you want some references? You see that straight away as well. When you get a photographer that's never worked with a retoucher, you see that straight away that <laughs> There's a lack of information from the start. Let's fill this gap now <laughs> because yeah, there correct. are plenty yeah, of yeah. photographers listening. <laughs> yeah, so you can see the lack of information from their side. So you're thinking, right, I need to provide them with the information in order for me to carry on with this. So I'll send them an email saying, well, listen, in order for me to give you a prize, you need to give me, for example, deadlines, you need to give me a mood board or what's your idea in terms of color palette, in terms of the retouching, the level of the skin retouching. I mean, because everybody wants some kind of, some people want a lot of retouching on the skin, some others, they don't want any. So you need to find out all these terms. And then from there, once you got a bit of an agreement, from there, what I do is I give them a rate based on the job. And then from there is the client's decision to carry on or not. Yeah, that's how I work normally. Mm -hmm. What are the files formats you're usually sending to clients? And especially because, you know, many photographers, especially in different countries, the laws are different. So, for example, if a photographer sends you the raw files and if your communication is just photographer retoucher, that's okay because you are probably not going to send the raw files because there is nothing you can do. Um, yeah. What are usually the formats you're sending to, to the clients in terms of this that sometimes I believe you've been approached not just by the photographer but also by an agency yeah. mm -hmm. agencies or the actual clients like for example i work normally for l'oreal as well they don't contact me the photographer anymore it's actually l'oreal the phone to you and say listen how i send you an email say listen how we need this but with every single client that i have and i work with international photographers from, from all over the world not only because it's something that i do it's just they only ask for tips yeah all the time that's what they want it's like a flattened tiff And that's it. Sometimes you get a rare request from a client. They, they ask you to send you, to, you have to send them the PSDs. But that sometimes happens if you do, for example, composition. I've done recently a campaign for a rebook in China. Uh, no, Adidas in China it was. And, uh, and it was all composition. The background was taken from this stock uh, websites and then the models were shot in a studio. So it had to look like it was real. Mm -hmm. So they end up asking me for the PSDs. The reason was is because uh, there were some shadows that they wanted to adjust and they wanted to extract the models and change them into a different background. So in that case, I had to send them the whole PSD. Do you charge more for that? No. I used to, but I tend not to send my PSDs. But in this case, it was a huge client, Adidas, as you know. So Yeah, they've paid enough in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, it was very well paid. But at the same time, what you want them is, it was the first time that I actually worked for them. So I didn't want to put any problems. I just thought that's fine by me. 
Because mm-hmm. what you're actually, you need to be clever in this business as well. I suppose it's the same as photography. It's not about how good you are as a retouching, it's how good you are as well as a customer service. Oh yeah, it is the same. And sometimes it's very, very hard. Yeah, I could be very good at retouching or I could be very bad. But if you'd excel as a customer service, that can compensate for other things that you're not as good. I mean, so I do believe that you have to be good at both. Absolutely. So that's why in this case, uh, to Adidas, I didn't say anything about extra money because it was very well paid. For me, I was such satisfied with a budget so I thought no no they can have the PSDs. And talking about budgets and payment, when's the moment when your clients are usually paying you before or after, or you have some payments plans? Well, this is a question that you normally get a lot in the retouching groups. <laughs> I don't know, it's fine. And I think it's great that you're asking this because... Yeah, people should know. Yeah, exactly. I never, ever, ever taken money in advance. Never. And I never ask for money in advance. I do believe I run my business in trust. And I do believe that you get the clients that you deserve. I never ask anybody to pay me in advance. It's like if you go to a supermarket, they're never going to give you anything in advance. That's the way I see business. So I will never ask for anything in advance. Some clients pay you straight away, which is very rare. Some clients pay you in a month, some others in three, some others take. The longer I've been waiting is for, I think it was almost a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he was a very regular client. They was giving me other jobs in the meantime. So I trusted him and he ended up paying. At the same time, I had to say, I got three clients in the past that they didn't pay me. That's part of the job. Sometimes you lose, sometimes you win. But I will never ask for money in advance, never. I was going to ask you, yeah, you have ever had your trust broken. And did you ever reminded those clients that they have to pay you? Yes, it's like I do that. And normally this morning I've done it. It's like this Adidas job that we were talking about two seconds ago. It's like they were meant to pay me in Christmas. So what I've done is I send them a reminder this morning in a really polite way, not in a rush. It's like, listen, thankfully, in my situation at the moment, not like I'm not loaded. I'm not a millionaire at all, but I have a good life. So I don't need that money in my bank account. So what I've done this morning, same as I do every two, three weeks, send a reminder to the clients that they've not paid that invoice. Hi there, excuse me. Just a quick reminder. This invoice is outstanding. Whenever you guys say, can you can give me a bit more information when it's going to be clear, that'll be great. Thank you very much. I love it when my guests are talking so openly about these questions because it's important and many people are in situations like this and they have no idea how to respond. So this is what this podcast is all about, helping each other. And I really appreciate your honesty here. I do run, as I said, my business in trust. Since the beginning, I decided to be open. Now that I'm doing workshops, it's the same thing. It's like, what is the point of teaching or getting an interview if you're going to keep things to yourself? So I'd rather be honest. I'm an honest mm-hmm. person in life and I'm direct and I'm I'd rather tell you what I think than rather than sell you something that is not what I actually think. I mean, it's like to make myself look better. No, this is happy. This is the way I am. And I'm not going to change in that aspect. I'm honest with my clients and I think they appreciate that. Everybody does. Trust yeah. me. You're a Spanish guy. It's normal to be so open. You're also cool. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> Always. Oh, I like that. You mentioned the workshops. Do you have this kind of part in your workshops? Because many new retouchers, they have no idea how to charge and what to do. So where do you think they can get this knowledge? Where they can learn retouching, you mean? Yeah, we'll get to this <laughs> too, because oh, sorry, it's important. <laughs> uh, no, 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 you're absolutely right. But where they can learn how to price. Price themselves, like give themselves like rates. Well, this morning I was talking with somebody else about this as well. It's like, for me, that's the hardest question. 
that you can ask somebody. I don't know how to say to somebody what is your charge because I think it's, it's subjected to your level of retouching. In the same way, it will be subjected to your level of photography if you were a photographer. Mm -hmm. For me, at the beginning, I set a price. I remember it was, I think it was like 20 pounds per image because I used to live in, in UK. I thought it was very high based on what we see online and blah, blah, blah. And the first client that I've got, which I still work for him now, they do all the campaigns for River Island, which is a brand of clothing like H&M, but in UK, they got 350 shops. So I was very surprised that that was actually my first job. Mm -hmm. And the guy said that 20 pounds, it was very little. Says, well, we don't leave it because he said it was a lot of work. Said, well, we don't leave it in, I think it was said 30 pounds per image. Mm -hmm. So it worked for me. So it's, it's very hard for me to tell you or to tell anybody what to charge. It's subjected to how much you want to earn, I suppose, and how much you want to work. I see a lot of questions about it in your group on Facebook. Yeah. What's your group on Facebook so people can join it too? Yeah, I've got one in English, which is called Professional Retouching. Mm -hmm. And another one in Spanish, which is called Escuela de Retoque Profesional. Sounds great. I guess it means the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's actually the same, but translated to Spanish or English. So. And how did you decide to start this group? Because I used to be part of other groups. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to name the groups. Yeah. And, and I used to argue all the time with the owner of the group. Oh. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know where it is? There is some people, the way I see this, and this is very wrong, but they, they, they just run by ego. Mm -hmm. And I don't have that. I don't think myself as an egoistic person. I, I don't want anything to me. I don't think of myself like as something huge or better than anybody else. But anyway, I was in this group. I didn't enjoy it. I was arguing all the time plus the person that was running it was a wee bit rude to others and I thought that's not the point of teaching if you're there to teach you should be at least nice yeah. regardless if you're in your house behind your computer you still remain polite and helpful so that's why I decided to create my own I thought I don't need to deal with anybody I just have my own rules my own people and whoever is not nice see you and I'll keep the nice one Absolutely. and it seems to be working really well yeah it is and thankfully I call people that joined like Patrick Naik which is a really I'm sure you know him yeah He's a very good retoucher and some other really good. Dennis Dunbar, there is so many good people out there in my group, good photographers as well. So I'm happy with that. And I try to always to keep the group positive and fun and no rude. I hate rudeness. And you do succeed in this because it's a very, very nice group. And yeah, people, you can check it out. At least the one in English, if you know <laughs> only English, like in my case. That's it for today, guys. We'll continue our conversation next Wednesday. But until that moment, you can also join Javi's group and our group. You can find links for both of them in the show notes. I'll be here with you this Friday. And for those of you who are going to attend the photography show, don't forget to drop us an email because we, I mean, me and George, would love to see you there. Have a great weekend. <laughs>